but Rick, it'll be so fun. Like he's holding out for honey. I shrunk the dog's testicles. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Whatever Podcast episode 19. Oh my fucking god, we got it. 19. Took us 19 episodes, but I got it on the first try. That's usually what fucks it up. Yeah, pretty well, good I get it. I get it usually wrong too. Or either that or I spent half the episode going, what episode was it again? Anyway. Yeah. Um, so this week we got a lot of stuff um, to cover. We have Buko news when it comes to. Yeah, buckle uh, up, kiddos. This is going to be a long one. Yeah, a whole bunch of cool stuff. Uh, and then we also have some premieres that we need to talk about for sure. Um, yeah. As far as you know, new TV shows and whatnot. The first thing we're going to talk about is going to be me going off on a little bit of a rant, uh, and then we'll get into some fun stuff because I don't want to end the end the show on a on a down note. Um, so. Everybody is is well aware that the uh, Tomb Raider uh, kind of reboot game uh, that came out several years ago now was phenomenal. It was a good game uh, across PCs, Xbox. Played the hell out of it on PC. Um, really loved the game. I really like the way that they sort of reinvented the character, too. It was uh, enough uh, like the original, but an- enough different and gave it sort of a better feel, especially for the current day. Yeah. Couldn't say enough good things about the game, especially because I got it for like 13 bucks on a Steam sale. So Sure. So, um, but it's, it's probably been made, uh, I mean, you guys have probably been made aware now that, uh, Xbox one gets the exclusive on the sequels, which is going to be rise of the tomb Raider. And it's not a, a forever exclusive it's a timed exclusive. Uh, but we found out earlier this week though, what those timetables are. PC is going to be getting the game. Uh, they said early 2016 PS4 though, we don't get that game until late 2016, which means Xbox is going to have that console exclusive for a year. Yeah, that's a hardcore long time, I think, for a uh, uh, time frame exclusive. Like we haven't seen, I haven't seen a time frame exclusive that long for quite some time, unless there was some, you know, technical reason why it had to be done that way. Yeah, and I don't think there is. I think it's all about money, and I don't oh, think I'm, it's going to actually pay off in the long I'm sure. run. Because um, this is my bitch. This is my rant. Nobody. Okay, I, I can't say nobody. Few people are going to buy an Xbox One specifically to play Rise of the Tomb Raider. I'm not saying it's not a great game. Um, the first one was a great game, but it wasn't a, I'm going to go spend an extra 350, $400 to play the next one. And I think it's going to backfire. And I think PS4 fans are going to end up winning in the long run, because I think when we finally do get the release, we're going to get a quote game of the year edition. That's going to include DLC, uh, you know, from the, from the previous year and things like that, that we're going to get, you know, for free. I just don't think outside of a couple of titles, uh, console exclusives sell consoles anymore. Um, the the one thing I could think of is Halo. Halo, sure. I still think, is a... If you're a hardcore Halo fanboy, that might sell you on a console. But I don't think that... Um, I, I can't really ever think of uh, many PlayStation exclusives um, outside of, say, say, maybe The Last of Us. I think The Last of Us is probably the one that I thought might actually sell consoles. But I think that was only among the sort of indie crowd. And maybe that's just because I got a real hard on to play that game and I still haven't yet. But Well, and they, it, PlayStation kind of did their... Uh, and maybe Microsoft will do this with the Xbox One too. But they also had like The Last of Us uh, bundle edition. So you get yeah, the game and the console and whatnot. So 
But you know what else is really fucked up about this is that uh, if you were going to say Tomb Raider and console exclusive, where would your mind go first? PlayStation. Right? Uh, Sony must be like spinning over in a uh, not grave, but you know, they've got to be just like throwing chairs and flipping shit in that office when they got that news. Well, and that was that was obviously the original Tomb Raider was published by Eidos, which I think was absorbed by Square, right? Um, yeah. I, Square Eidos is, I think, how Square I mean, Enix. Yeah. Oh yeah, good point. But I think it's I think it's I think it's in there too. But yeah, um, so it it's kind of one of those. If you can't be loyal to your console manufacturer, who can you be loyal to? Yeah. I don't know. This is just another one of those like I just want to play the fucking game. Like, please just make it easier for me to give you money. Like another sort of situation where okay, yeah, I understand that there's a business thing and they're probably making a ton of money off this deal. Uh, but me as the consumer is sitting here going, I want to give you money for a product, and it's not that hard for you to sell me that product. Why aren't you doing that? So yeah, and there's not a. We don't have the relationship with Lara Croft that we do these days without the relationship between Eidos and Sony. Totally. So um, don't forget don't forget who brought you to the dance, Tomb Raider. Right. <laughs> okay, so um, I don't know about you, but I really want to talk about a couple of premieres that came out this week. Um, so first off, in the show notes that we'll post, we've got a link here that says uh, Diggle gets a Magneto helmet, which uh, we've seen in action now, so I don't think we need to talk about that. Well, we'll talk about it a little bit, but um, so yeah, let's, let's let's hit the flash first because yeah. we'll, we'll do it in the order they came out. Um, so I a couple episodes back, I made mention that I didn't want to see the the show pick up um, where he'd already solved the problem with the thing, <laughs> the whatever that thing is. Good luck with that. The singularity. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, that's exactly what happened. But uh, I'm going to go take a step back on that and say that the way they told the story was really good because this episode, holy shit, this was a good episode. Yeah, I really enjoyed this episode, and I didn't want to see that either. What I actually more specifically, and I should have actually probably had some faith because the Flash, I think, has done a good job of turning this trope on its head, which is not needlessly dragging out plot um, that it doesn't have to. There's been a lot of things where you know, like the 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 big one that I can think of is you know they could have dragged drag out the whole who the Flash is, you know, Barry Allen. Does Iris know? Um, Iris was probably the last comer to the party, um, but everybody else knew by like episode seven or something like that. So I was pretty pleased that they didn't make that stretch into a whole thing, and they did pretty well with this episode too. What I didn't want to see happen was see this. Um, you know, they then not talk about how the solution to the problem came about, um, you know, for the first three episodes or something like that. But they tied it up really nicely in the beginning. So um, I think we're going to get spoiler heavy here. Yeah, we are going to get into some some pretty heavy spoilers. So um, we do we, we start off with uh, with Barry feeling uh, a little bit. I don't know. He's kind of uh, emo. Morose. Yeah, yeah, a little bit emo. He's um, not. Don't worry, guys. It's not like uh, Spider Man Three. Emo. No, no, like, he doesn't uh, slick his hair over or nothing like that. Yeah, but we we do kind of start off with um, you know Cisco's now working with Joe and the police department yeah. um, to figure out ways to stop metahumans. Uh, Barry's doing things on his own. He's basically told his friends and family, "Hey, you know what? This is my gig. Stay away. I don't want anybody to get hurt. And this is what I'm going to do." And uh, but what we also have the city central city wanting to throw him a celebration on flash day and give him the key to the city, which he's torn about whether or not he wants to do. And, uh, Iris, Iris tries to go talk some sense into him. Yeah. So there are so many things that I really enjoyed about this episode. Um, 
I don't think we need to recap the whole thing, but there, there's a ton of things that I really enjoyed about this episode. Number one, uh, most of the CG was really on point. Like, I really love watching the sequence where they show him running up into the singularity and how they handled that whole thing. When they show you the resolution to the singularity and how that event goes down, I really liked watching that sequence and I thought it was really well done, especially for TV. It, it also leads us to one of the key moments and one of the reasons why Barry has gone off yeah, which on is, his own, which is Ronnie Raymond um, is once again presumed dead. Yeah. Um, the the resolution to the singularity wasn't just the flash. It took uh, Firestorm uh, having a part in it as well. Um, one of the linchpins was that they had to separate within the singularity to release all the energy. Um, sort of how they did, I think, in the in the last season uh, um, where they first separated. Uh, they had, you know, basically like the, it looked like the atomic bomb went off and that was sort of the um, plot point for this episode. In order to stop the singularity, what they really needed to do was uh, um, run up there and blow it up while the Flash was slowing things down. But the Flash really act- actually wasn't sort of, he they couldn't have done it without him, but it also wasn't um, what really killed the singularity. So that's where the guilt comes from on Barry's part. Right, right. So the the professor, he was able to save, but nobody nobody saw Ronnie hit the ground so to speak so yeah um uh, by the way super badass you know uh, the, the way he saved him and then how they did that and running down the side of the building and you couldn't quite tell who came out of it was a uh, uh, a lot of fun to watch so yeah it was it was cool um so we've, we've got a little bit of guilt going on with barry not being able to save ronnie um especially when it comes to what's her caitlin is that her name yeah yeah which okay i want to pause there for a second too because one of the things i wanted to bring up is that um I had presumed that this would be the uh, um, MacGuffin to get Caitlin to the Killer Frost mode. I assumed that when Ronnie died or when Ronnie was presumed dead the next time, that Caitlin would flip her shit and go all Killer Frost, and that's how we would get there. Is that who that is? Yeah. I, I, I no no idea. Oh, man. You must have missed like the che- one of the cheesiest lines in the series when they were talking about, like, we're like fire and ice, you know, when they were describing Ronnie. Uh, oh, I did. Ronnie. I totally did. Ka- Caitlin was talking about... Um, when back when Ronnie was still dead, his and her relationship, and he, she described them as being like fire and ice. And I was like, Oh, you guys just fucking had to do that. Didn't you? Uh, yeah. Anyway. Right um, on. so I had assumed that this, and, and we know it's coming. If, um, I don't think we've talked about this on the show, but there have been pics, uh, from her Instagram or something like that, showing her in the killer frost makeup. So we know it's coming soon, but I assumed that that was going to be one of the first parts and, and kind of, you know, it was making my stomach knot up a little bit because I, I really like Caitlin as a character now and you know, she's going to go all yeah. psycho and evil or at least, you know, definitely off the deep end a little bit compared to what we see now. So, um, I was kind of surprised that they didn't take that, um, now to do that. So, yeah. So, uh, that, but that's a big, that, that's a big part of uh, Barry's guilt. So, uh, push comes to shove though. He does show up. Yeah. And that's when we uh, see, not for the first time, but for the second time in the episode, because we didn't talk about it. There's a body because it's not it's you don't know it's going to be important yeah. to this to the to the plot uh, when they find the body at the beginning. But then uh, we actually see him as the Atom Smasher. And- I, I, when 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 they find the body, I really like the throwaway line. Uh, they said it, he was strangled. You know, the the neck indicates strangling, and and Joe says kind of or kind of looks up or gives him you know like a really, and and Barry goes no, it wasn't Grodd. You know, All right? Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. Um. And then Adam Smasher is played by WWE's own Edge, also known as Adam Copeland. God damn, that's who that was. 
I was uh, looking at him the whole episode being like, why do I know this guy? So um, we know I'm a wrestling fan, obviously. Um, here's the thing. I wasn't super keen on his performance necessarily uh, because he also is a regular on the show Haven on Sci-Fi Network. And he's actually really good as the character of Dwight in that show, um, which if you haven't seen it, you probably should because it's kind of cool. It's on Netflix, I think. And I keep scrolling past it. First so four or five seasons. Yeah. 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 Um, but anyway, so I didn't really think his acting was necessarily where it is in Haven, but also I don't know that I don't think he's probably going to be a, a regular on the show. He, you know, uh, based on what happened to him at the end of this. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, um, that's another funny plot point. Um, so how do we defeat this metahuman? Uh, let's give him cancer and fucking kill him. Yeah. All right. Works for me. Like Everybody. No, no hesitation. Just like, oh, yeah, give him cancer and kill him. Instant cancer. Yeah. Um, based on the fact that he was in a nuclear fucking reactor. Uh, it was more like give him super cancer. Yep, that's a valid uh, methodology. Like, we, we probably need to talk about some checks and balances in the whole uh, um, Flash Star Labs wheelhouse because, uh, you know, th- they've got their whole Guantan- Guant- Guantanamo um, um, detention center set up with no trials and, and, you know, then they just decide to give characters cancer and kill them and so on. So Yeah, yeah kind of taking the law into their own hands but yeah um so anyway the he's he's kind of the the driving force that brings the team back together so to speak was Gar- barry has literally no clue how to stop this guy yeah and uh so then we get to see cisco and and joe um uh, along with iris and dr what's his fuck stein stein dr stein really like the line um in there where stein gets the naming credit there for adam smasher right and cisco's like oh bro and just gives him a hug or whatever yeah that was really cute but but from now on i do the names yeah i i i kind of secretly expected you know when they got done cisco's like no um so we need to talk uh i don't know if you know this because you're kind of new to the team and all but you that that's kind of my that's kind of my thing like i do the smart sciencey shit and name the characters you you step back you you be fire you know go be fire so we we kind of we kind of covered the end of uh the or the resolution to the atom smasher with the with the nuclear reactor um what we didn't cover though was uh we're starting to see a little bit more of cisco's metahuman yeah stuff so um, by now, if you're not aware, you can go check out the Wikipedia for who Cisco Ramon really is. Um, we know that uh, he is actually Vibe. Um, so they're setting up Cisco to get to become Vibe at some point. And I, I really actually kind of like how they're giving it a slow burn a little bit with uh, Cisco and Caitlin. You know, like I didn't think it was a bad thing that they didn't go the Killer Frost route right away with Caitlin. Um, and I think we're, must be still a little ways away from seeing Cisco as vibe because, uh, we've seen no costume picks or leaks or anything like that that would indicate that that's going to happen anytime soon. Although I wouldn't rule it out because it's entirely possible he does it out of costume. Um, but I, I really do kind of like the slow burn and seeing some of that happening now. Yeah, no, totally for sure. Um, so now we're going to get into the meat and potatoes of what this episode was all really about. The whole episode was pretty solid clear up until uh, this point. And uh, I, I think that it just gets better from there. So um, Dr. Wells had a uh, a living will set up and upon his death was supposed to deliver a flash drive to Barry. And he, that happens approximately it, in the middle of the episode. You might call it a reverse flash drive. A reverse flash drive. That That, that was... <laughs> really bad i think dude. me and everybody on reddit thought of that immediately so, right all right anyway. um so he gets his flash drive and then the by the end of the episode 
or actually it's not even the end of the episode yet. It's him and Caitlin kind of commiserating about how, you know, Barry couldn't save Ronnie and she's yeah. sad and whatnot, but they decide that they're going to watch this thing together. And actually what it is, is it's uh, kind of an open letter from Dr. Wells to the police department admitting that he killed Barry's father. Yeah. Which leads them to uh, releasing Barry's father. Okay. So there's a couple of things. Um, are we not skeptical as shit? Like we, we spent, we we are to believe Dr. Wells spent the last 20 years basically plotting Barry, Barry's downfall. And now all of a sudden he's like, well, I guess you killed me. So here you go. Here's everything you ever wanted. Cause yeah. like, I didn't buy that for a second. Like the, um, the other interesting thing, um, I, I'm, I don't know if this is going to be like a way that Wells, um, as in Tom Cavanaugh stays as a series regular. God, I hope so. Cause he's really good. I really, yeah, I really do like him. Uh, um, First off, I liked him even before it was revealed that he was the reverse flash, but uh, especially as a reverse flash, I think he, he did a brilliant job there. Um, so I'm wondering if we're going to get sort of this like weird beyond the grave, like uh, plot points uh, um, featuring Wells, but I didn't for a fucking second buy that whole tiny little speech that he gave, you know, like, oh, well, just so you know, we're, we're kind of equal terms and blah, blah, blah. Here's here's what you wanted, because. I don't know, some sort of weird sense of respect or something. I didn't necessarily get the olive branch feeling from it because he was like, here's the deal. I'm going to give you what you wanted, but you're still not going to be happy. Yeah. Which uh, panned out because uh, uh, Barry's dad gets out and then uh, promptly the uh, he comes into Barry and says, uh, so, you know, the series uh, CW won't pay me to be a series regular. So I'm going to get on the next bus the fuck out of here. You know, thanks, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, I don't know if that was... That that was probably, uh, and well, yeah, I'm just gonna say it. that was probably some of the shittiest writing I've seen on this show. Yeah, that was the the whole because I mean the whole thing about like he was so proud of his son for being the Flash and whatnot, and they did try and write that into it. It's like you can't be the Flash with your dad hanging around and whatnot. And yeah, but he's like, I was the fucking Flash with you rotting behind bars. What? Yeah, I, I was just <laughs> sitting there like picturing being Barry, and I'm like, and I'm just like. That is some fucking bullshit. Like Barry, Barry should be like bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. I've spent the last ten years getting you out of prison. I had to go and be shocked by lightning and chemicals and become a superhero. Now you're out of prison and you're ditching me again. You dick. Um. Anyway, didn't didn't like that scene at all. Didn't like that how that was written at all. Yeah, but I'm on the other end of that though too. It's it. I guess we got one less character to worry about now. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I don't know. I well, I don't I, think we've seen the last of him. No, I'm sure we haven't. I, I, he'll probably come back in some form or another. Um, it was just really annoying how they wrote that out of there, which I'm sure it had to be either, you know, some sort of it's some real world problem, either, you know, time commitment by uh, uh, John Wesley ship or um, probably realistically, the CW just couldn't afford to pay another series regular or didn't want to pay another series regular, especially one who's, you know, a pretty good actor i think it was oh fuck we're we're totally missing some of the great like one of the greatest moments in the series too that we didn't even talk about um here's my thought they probably didn't have the budget to afford to keep him and the new series regular who i think is going to be there on a regular basis and that is jake garrick good point um yeah i didn't hit that quite yet because that at the very end of the episode which again, we had seen the guy a couple times throughout the episode, but not knowing why he was being shown to us on camera. But I just, I loved that scene. Just a brilliant scene because Cisco, I think is describing how they up star, star lab security and how nobody's just going to be walking in here. And then like half a fucking second later, 
some dude walks in there and they're all kind of like, what? Who the fuck are you? And it's like, oh, yeah, I'm Jay Garrick and your world's in danger. Which if you watch the series or season uh, finale from season one, uh, you saw the helmet come through the little vortex that uh, through time that that uh, Wells was creating and it scared the piss out of him. Yeah. So we we know already that. Jay there's, Garrick is an established badass. Yeah, Jay Garrick has got some some stroke, and there's some things going on behind the scenes that we're not aware of yet. So that's what we're looking forward to seeing. Um, and that pretty much brings us to the end of Barry's story for this week. Or does it? Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about the arrow. Um, so the arrow premiere. You mean the green arrow? Yes, I do mean the green arrow. So four seasons, four seasons, folks. The Flash is the Flash within six episodes. It took uh, uh, Stephen Amell... Four seasons before he gets three. Wow. Three and a half an episode. Okay, fine. Three seasons before we get a proper, by the way, I'm the Green Arrow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that cheesiness aside, I I still really dug the the episode. So um, taking it back to the beginning of this episode, we pick up with with Oliver and Felicity being very seemingly happy living in upper, upper middle class suburbia. Yeah. Um. Talking about omelets and shit like that. <laughs> Felicity Smoke, you have failed this omelet. <laughs> favorite, I couldn't favorite, get it out straight. <laughs> probably one of my favorite lines in the history of the show. Actually, this is one of the things that really had me hopeful about the show because it is Oliver being fucking Oliver. Oliver is sort of cheeky and fun and, and makes stupid jokes and stuff like that. I think it was so, Oliver being Stephen Amell. <laughs> I think that's what it was. <laughs> um, Probably that's true, but yeah, I love that line because it, it is a uh, definitely, um, yeah, I read somewhere else somebody said, you know, I, I kind of hated these two characters for the last season, you know, because they're just whiny and stupid the whole season, uh, That those two characters being Oliver and Felicity, and within, you know, 15 minutes of the premiere, I'm like, oh, okay, I get it, and I like them again, because one of the things that I really hated about the last season is the whole Oliver Felicity thing was very, like, um, haphazardly thrown together, I thought. Right. And then all like they're nothing, they're nothing, they're nothing. Oh, boom. We love each other more than everything. And, you know, this is a big super deal now. And uh, they did a bit, pretty good job during this first episode here showing, you know, like why they sort of work as a couple. Um, but yeah. So that that was thought one. Um, the other thought was, are you really I mean, are you serious? Like, I wouldn't expect necessarily that um, that Oliver Queen in the in the series would um want to go back and be shot at all the time. Like I can understand wanting to do good, but I'm, I'm, you know, like soldiers, soldiers, for example, want to go out and do good in the world. I think a lot of the times, um, but they don't necessarily want to do good while being shot at it all the time. And Oliver makes sort of a half joke about that, but I was having a really hard time seeing both Oliver and Felicity go from this, like um, especially Felicity where she sort of jumped in head first into this, you know, sort of exciting world of, you know, superheroism go to, you know, modern suburbia and probably just be bored out of their fucking minds, which is good because that comes up later in the episode. Yeah, yeah, totally. So um, those two are off doing their happy schmappy or seemingly happy schmappy um, omelet making or burning, whichever one you prefer to call it. Yeah. Um, Meanwhile, we come back to uh, Magneto and Thea and Black Canary. (laughs) Yeah. Um, okay, he's not really Magneto, but he does have a crazy helmet. Uh, so we're talking about the Diggle helmet. So Diggle gets a helmet in this episode, or just Dig. Uh, this is another funny thing. Like, I thought that they had a really good name in the beginning. Um, I, I think they mentioned that Dig, Dig 
Um, though they called him Digger for the first couple of episodes, and then they proceeded to not do that for like three seasons. Um, so they they go back and you know call him start calling him Dig again, which I prefer to Diggle, but you know whatever. Um, so they bring back the Diggle helmet. Um, he and uh, that's a nice funny plot point too, where um, uh, um, Oliver comes back and says basically like finally you took my advice about hiding your identity type of thing. Um, but I like the way that they open with this scene, which is um, sort of uh, Red Arrow or, or, or Speedy. God damn it. Please call me Red Arrow. Um, as yeah. she said in the show, vaguely, uh, um, the Black Canary and uh, Dig basically pulling missions on their own. So um, is Thea, I think, is probably and I'm just going to say this probably one of my favorite characters right now um and she was so fun this episode yeah and and honestly when you think about it because she she had the whole brainwashing thing with malcolm merlin and stuff like that and she probably is the best trained out of the three uh to deal with it oh yeah I, um, I, in a fight between her and black canary black canary goes down unless you just purely going with uh plot armor still still kind of uh still kind of makes rookie moves sometimes things like that but um but they're they're facing these guys, which they call the the ghosts, I think. Yep. And uh, these guys are crazy because they all work fanatically for this one dude who we haven't met yet at this point in the episode, and uh, they they carry cyanide capsules with them. So if if it's they're in danger of getting caught, they kill themselves. So they're they're getting Hydra? nowhere. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. It sounded very Hydra to me when I heard that the first time. They're, they're literally getting nowhere though, uh, with finding out who these guys are who they're working for and whatnot. So um, Dig has absolutely no desire to bring Ollie back into the equation uh, because of the events from last season. However, Thea and Laurel decide that they're going to do it anyway. Yeah. They're like, we talked about it and Dig's like, uh, hello. He's like, well, we talked about it. Right. That was a fun scene too. Um, So overall, um, there's a lot of cool moments in this episode, and uh, I I really liked it. Um, and I th- I think uh, the showrunner said something to the effect of uh, this is going to be a different show than you've been seeing for the last few seasons, and I felt like it. Like this this show was a lot more snarky, a lot more um, you know funny, and um, I was really pleased to see that because the last show was just or the last season was just so goddamn whiny. I don't know if I could have taken another season of them just being so over-the-top whiny all the time. It, it was. I mean, overall, uh, I've still been a fan of the show. Oh, yeah, me too. It's not like I stopped watching. Obviously, we're talking about it still, but... Um, but, I mean, we... What, what's, what was cool about it was we now have a team that is not necessarily cohesive, but they're working together to do the job that Oliver started doing in the beginning. Yeah. And, uh, the, the, I, I, okay. I'm going to feel bad for saying this. I normally hate when they draw stuff out like this, but I do hope they still carry a little bit of tension between dig and Oliver. Yeah. Uh, at least for a few episodes and whatnot. Uh, just, just to kind of revisit that. And because I think ultimately at the end of the day, um, and I don't know if this is where they're going, but I think ultimately at the end of the day, I think they're going to be better friends for it, for it. Uh, unless okay first off we got we got got ground to cover before we get one more thing like that's another thing i think that they're going to do a little bit more of is uh with thea and oliver thea and oliver still have some tension too because oliver's kind of like um so you went a little crazy when you were about to stab that guy with a katana you do you remember that yeah she's like no it's fine it's cool we're cool so i think we're still getting a little bit of uh lazarus pit crazies you know spliced in there 
Yeah. Um, and I, honestly, I kind of hope that doesn't last a ton because the the whole like big brother, little sister tension and stuff like that. I think we've done that for three years. Yeah, it's so much more fun when they just go kick ass. Yeah, especially as Green Arrow. Yeah, and Speedy and, and this Speedy too. Um, this Speedy is a different Speedy than we saw the last season. She's um, hot. She's super hot. <laughs> anyway, uh, this Speedy is definitely a different one than we saw last season, and I I like this one so much better. Um. So we we do get a reveal, though, on who these people are working for. And he is a man called Damien Dark. And he is a legitimate badass who at one point was part of the League of Shadows. Or Assassins. Which one? Which ones are we in, Arrow? League of Assassins. Assassins. Okay. But we all know. We all know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think. I don't know. Yeah. I think League of Shadows was the Nolan Batman series. I think you're right. Yeah. I think we're League of Assassins. I think you're right. Yeah. Anyway, so Damien Dark was apparently, though, too much of a badass for the League of Assassins and uh, left them. I'm going to go start my own league. To delve into the world of mysticism. Yep. uh, Quite a bit. Um, He's actually played by Neil McDonough, who is a badass. I really like that guy. I I, um. He's not somebody like he's a good character actor and that I never remember who he is until I see him in something. And I'm like, oh, it's that guy. I like that guy. Did you ever watch the sci-fi miniseries? Uh, the uh, Tin Man. Tin Man. Yep. Yeah. He's super. Loved him that. that guy. Uh, I heard that movie. The that uh, the remake of Walking Tall starring The Rock. He was a total dick in that movie, which was good because that was what he's supposed to be. Right. Uh, okay. So um, Oliver goes up against him. Doesn't win. <laughs> <laughs> nope, kind of gets his ass kicked. Um, but that's that's kind of that kind of leads us toward the um, the big reveal of the episode. So his his uh, organization, which is uh, referred to as Hive, not Hydra, Hive. Right. Don't call it Hydra. Yeah. Um, but we find out that uh, somebody who was who we didn't expect to be working for Hive to be working for Hive. Yeah. Spoilers. That would be Paul Lance. Blackthorn. Yeah. Lance. Yeah. Lance. So Detective Lance is working for um, him in some capacity. Although it doesn't seem to be entirely um, like it's not like they're just bros. Like he, he, it doesn't seem like Lance is all. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. It seems a little bit more like there might be some blackmail shenanigans. No, I've actually shot him to, to, to make it look as though he was actually trying to kill him and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if there's blackmail involved or maybe he went to him willingly thinking that the city really did need a fucking overhaul. And that, that was the best that way I to could do actually it. buy too. Um, but I think that he, um, Lance may be having some, you know, second thoughts about his, uh, allegiances here. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, this is another, I think fun thing that it's, we're going to see play out over the season is how, um, the canary especially reacts to that, uh, fighting on the other side of that. Yeah, because that's not going to be pretty. Yeah, no, I can't imagine that goes well. I'm sure that the, their father-daughter dinner dates are going to be like a little bit more interesting Yeah, that comes out. So um, this kind of leads us to a non-confrontation at the end. Um, it literally kind of just, we, fee- we see the big reveal, and then all of a sudden we flash to six months later. Yep. Um, Oliver standing next to a gravestone dressed in a, in a, in a black suit. Um, and who comes up to him but... The Flash, Barry Allen. Barry Allen, also in a suit. In a black suit, saying, I'm sorry I missed the funeral. I, uh, you know, and Barry said, or um, 
Oliver says, uh, Zoom. And Barry goes, yeah. Yeah, so presumably Barry Allen was busy fighting the uh, the big bad from season two of The Flash. Uh, meanwhile, somebody from Team Arrow has died. And yeah. there's speculation that it could be Felicity. Um, I, I think Eddie and I talked about this a little bit last night. And I, I think uh, we're kind of leaning toward maybe it's Dig. A little bit. Um, but uh, here's in here's here's a... A meta spoiler. Um, there was a, a live Facebook chat with Stephen Amell immediately following the West Coast premiere um, of of this series, and Stephen Amell um, seemingly, he, according to him, does not know who's dead. Yeah. So we're not obviously done filming the entire season. Um, so what this means is that when we pick up next week, we're not picking up six months later. We're picking up uh, immediately after their initial showdown with. Uh, with Damien Dark and the season presumably or is building toward the death. I don't know if that's going to come at the mid season break or if that's going to be um, at the end of the, uh, I think I'm going to be a little pissy if they stretch it out to the whole season. I, I think the mid season break probably makes more sense because I think they're probably going to utilize whatever mysticism uh, Damien Dark's using as well as some kind of resurrection stuff. Cause we got to We got to get uh, Constantine is going to show up at some point to resurrect uh, Sarah Lance so that she can go to, beyond legends of tomorrow yeah so actually that's a good point that i didn't really think about and whoever necessarily died is not necessarily dead yeah um, we don't know so that, that but um i don't know i don't necessarily like it when they kill a character and then bring him back in the next two episodes because i think that's a little cheap but on the same token like i was thinking about who are they going to kill and it just made me so sad i i think it's going to be a, a, i think there's a good bet that whoever this is that's dead is probably going to stay that way yeah i think so too um it's I, did you watch Sons of Anarchy? No. No? Sorry. You should. Um, yeah, and I'm going to spoil like... something, though. But uh, it, it kind of is like in season four of Sons of Anarchy when they, there are a bunch of them are in jail and one of them has to die to, to pay back a debt to a, a different kind of crime boss. And when you really think about it logically, nobody that dies in there is going to tell the story like when Opie died and Opie was, was uh, Jax's best friend. Who's the main character. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I literally almost stopped watching the show because that's how much his character meant to the show, but mm -hmm. it actually helped progress the story where it needed to be. So in terms of arrow, I think whoever's dead is going to stay that way specifically to progress the story where it needs to go. See, That's a big part. I think about this season is um, whoever dies, like, do we see Oliver go back to being mopey killer crazy Oliver or, or do we see him further progress with his new outlook on life in, into becoming more and more the green arrow? So, right. I think that's a probably why they're setting this whole thing up. But so that is our, our coverage of yeah. the, the big, the two big premieres for this week that we've been anxiously awaiting for the last three and a half months. Yeah. So, Three and a half months have gone by, and I'm very happy with both. Um, the Flash, I think, as usual, is killing it. Like I, I, I can. The worst episode of The Flash is probably the best episodes uh, of TV still. Yeah. And uh, Arrow had a pretty lackluster season. Uh, um, finale. Season three, and, and, and well, finale. actually, really, the second half of season three, I think, is really what pissed me off. Yeah. Um, but I really enjoyed um, the premiere here of Arrow. So exactly. Go watch them. They're good. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we, dude, we got a shit ton of stuff here. There's so much news this week. There's so much news. I don't know what happened, but like all of a sudden everybody decided the news was going to happen this week. 
So where do we want to start? Uh, oh, Jesus. Do we stick with DC for a while? Yeah, let's stick with DC for a while. Why not? Oh, here's one of my favorite stories. Uh, Watchmen. Watchmen, the comic book, may be coming to... Um, this isn't DC. Fuck it. Um, Watchmen may be coming DC. to HBO. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Watchmen may be coming to HBO with uh, Zack Snyder at the helm. What do you think about that? Uh, I would watch the shit out of that. Yeah, fuck yes. As, as long as there's color. It, yeah, <laughs> and basically, fuck yes. Uh, so we've already seen Watchmen from Zack Snyder, or you should have. If you haven't seen Watchmen, go watch it, um, especially if you're a fan of the book. I think it is a little bit of a polarizing movie, but I ultimately think that the only thing you can criticize about it is that he stuck too much to the comic book, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But I really enjoyed the Watchmen movie, and I think a Watchmen show is is exactly the way that this should have gone. Like, I really, really think that the, the best medium, like, if you're going to translate comics to screen i really think tv is the best medium movies are fun because you get the big budget ex- explosions and shit like that but i really think due to the episodic nature of comic books um moving to tv is a much more natural fit than um movies so i'm i am super super stoked for this yeah no um and, and i jest about the color because actually you don't need to have super rich vibrant colors when you're doing the Watchmen because it's a much darker story no, except the, for except for dr manhattan like that's the only one that you really have to but the feel overall um in the Watchmen movie i thought was really good like they they he i mean zack snyder is almost like part of his shtick to do something interesting with color or maybe different with color like man of steel has you know some weird saturation choices and if you watch sucker punch or 300 or any of the you know major zack snyder movies like that um, there's always interesting choices with color and contrast and so on, so on and so forth. And yeah. Watchmen in particular, I thought, you know, just like you said, Dr. Manhattan really is just a giant fucking blue guy. And I thought that he, he, uh, did fine with that in the movie. So totally, uh, let's, let's stick with, with Snyder for a little bit. Cause, yeah. uh, apparently Snyder, um, made some comments recently about the MCU, uh, which were not, yeah. not all that flattering. Um, in fact, he, uh, he his his quote was they're batman and superman they're not just like the flavor of the week ant-man not to be mean but whatever it is what what what's the next blank man yeah to which uh sebastian stan uh who plays the winter soldier said Zack snyder isn't he that guy that makes those black and white superman movies <laughs> no um, uh that- <laughs> might have been us no, know, yeah know. no he didn't actually say that but um he he did uh he said that uh just basically uh way to do something original yeah because <laughs> nobody's told the superman or batman story before <laughs> yeah so um i don't know it's, it's an interesting read I, i'm just I'm, I'm pulling quotes from the article that we'll post in the show notes and stuff like that it is just kind of uh you have basically the the three star general behind the DC Justice League franchise right now making comments about the MCU, and then you get a guy that's been in two movies. Yeah, which can't we all just get along, folks? I mean, really, DC and Marvel, I think, are doing very different things, um, and that's always been the thing. DC and Marvel have always been different companies, and they do different things, and they tell stories differently. But they're both valid. They both have really good points about them. So I really like what Marvel's doing with um, the, the Marvel Universe. And, and I really liked I enjoyed Ant-Man. Ant-Man was fine. Um, but I'm super excited. Probably one of my most anticipated movies for next year is Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice. Yeah. So um, they could have made that name longer, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And- anyway... The, the whole thing between DC and Marvel, too, is DC and Marvel have always had a rivalry, but it's been more of a, like, 
kind of a friendly yeah yeah um so to have these guys that are basically representing the company but through different roles uh kind of duke it out as um, Petty little bitches well it kind of it kind of makes the the thing seem like it's marvel marvel versus dc when it's really just these two guys that are trading shots and stuff and yeah zach was a dick for saying what he said because that isn't necessarily yeah like why why did we need to go there like, yeah if he's making a movie as good as he says he is he doesn't need to worry about what what marvel's doing and, and i don't think versa. you even necessarily have to bring it in there to to highlight the fact that you are doing the whole the trinity you're you're putting the trinity on screen like right. that is enough of a draw right there like you don't like, need to bring up ant-man at all just say we're putting batman superman and wonder woman in a movie unless you're catholic the holy trinity is batman superman and wonder woman correct and even if you're catholic it's still kind of the same thing so yeah just a little bit let's face it the pope barely be catholic these catholic these days so yeah <laughs> Actually, depending on who you talk to, that's probably true. I don't know. Uh, don't We're know, not going to get all political, no, but there's, there's, there's some interesting there's some... Pope stuff going on. So. Yeah. Totally. So let's move. Uh, we got some more comic book news. We have a lot of comic book news. Um, let's let's talk about Marvel and DC a little bit, too, because we have some comic book news for both of them. So um, one of the big, big things announced this week is that uh, one of the X-Men comic book series has been more popular of late uh, with the uh secret wars bullshit that's going on yeah is we have x-men 92 is, a, is an issue and it basically takes our x-men from the 1992 1991 uh cartoon series so it's that storm as in the one that like 90 percent of people probably know that, x-men from that movie fucking rocks or the cartoon series sorry yeah no i'd watch it all again right now if i could uh, i own them well i mean i could i just yeah. we're doing a podcast so it'd be rude oh yeah totally anyway <laughs> <laughs> um so they're going to actually do that as an ongoing series. So we're going to be able to kind of follow the adventures of the cartoon X-Men from the 90s uh, through some through some adventures, which I think is kind of neat. I, I do think that's a fun uh, title. I think that could be there has the potential to be a really fun title. Um, but in the same article, it also talked about how um, Jim Lee has partnered up with uh, our good friend Frank Miller. Mm uh to uh to do the dark knight returns part three which is actually probably mostly done in fact i think it comes out either this month or next uh so that's going to be interesting because the dark knight uh returns a seminal work in comic books hailed is probably like the like if you read no other batman stories you must read this one yeah there, there i would say there's probably about four or five batman stories and um that if you want to get familiar and acquainted with the best works that have been done with Batman since, you know, 1930 or whatever the fuck Batman came out. Yeah. Um, the Dark Knight Returns is one that you read. Conversely, The Dark Knight Returns Part 2 um, is fairly lackluster, widely regarded as fairly lackluster. I can't back that up with any certainty because I haven't read that book yet. Um, Nor have because I. Because I keep hearing that it's fairly lackluster, so maybe that's just a cyclical... Yeah, but anyway... Well, one of the things that I've, that I've heard uh, repeated basically is that since the dark Knight returns frank miller has gotten a little bit more outspoken about his views on things um not the least of which is race and so i'm kind of wondering uh because it doesn't sound like we're saying that in a good way no well see here's the thing the the title of this dark Knight returns part three uh i believe it's called the master race oh so that that has the potential to either be interesting or totally terrible yeah so um based on that i man 
it, the fact that Jim Lee is, is working with him on it and he is not white. Yeah. Um, so maybe, maybe this is overblown. Yeah. I, I have a hard time believing that somebody, um, that holds a minority status would willingly work on a book that disparages, disparages sex status. Yeah. So, yeah. So let's not, uh, let's not dwell too much on that until the book actually comes out, but let's hope it's uh, not as terrible as dark Knight returns part two. So we've heard. Yeah. Uh, do we have other comic news? Well, we do have a little bit actually. Um, we have some Netflix news um, in the Marvel universe. So the Netflix series, um, so that'd be Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, eventually the Defenders, and Daredevil will cross paths with the MCU films at some point. And I don't know how that much that is because obviously already Daredevil has some mention uh, um, of the events of the MCU films. And I'm assuming Jessica Jones will have similar, you know, not quite Easter eggs. I mean, it's not like they're hiding them too hard. Um, they're there and they're sort of mentioned, but it's, it's definitely not a focal point of the story. Um, but they are going to cross a little bit. So, yeah, actually, um, I'm kind of glad you brought that up uh, with the Daredevil thing, because I actually read an article. It's not in here. We'll try and find it before we uh, before we post the notes so we can put it in here. Um, I actually read an article that talks specifically about the rights to Fantastic Four and how Marvel, um, after the rights to Daredevil reverted back, mm-hmm. Marvel actually approached Fox and said, look, we will give you these rights to Daredevil if you give us Fantastic Four and all of its associated characters. And Fox refused. And they made one of the biggest abominations of a movie ever. Um, if they hadn't made the movie that they made this year, the rights to Fantastic Four would have gone back to Marvel anyway. It's the same. This is the sort of Hollywood problem. Same thing with Sony. Sony keeps rebooting Spider-Man because they don't know how to make a good Spider-Man movie and they don't want to lose the rights. But if they don't make a damn movie, they lose the rights. So they just keep rebooting. Well, here's the thing. So they have um, they've made this terrible movie now, which they'd already greenlit a sequel for before anybody realized how terrible this movie was. Mm hmm. Now, the lead actress who played Sue Storm is saying that a sequel is at this time is probably unlikely. And my understanding of the contractual. Kate Mira. Yeah. My understanding of the contractual stipulations, if they don't make the sequel, Marvel gets the rights back. Oh, good. Uh, Shoot this fucker in the head. So maybe we shouldn't even publish this in case somebody from Fox is listening. And they're like, oh, seriously? Shit, we better get on that. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, um, so. Kind of, I took two things from this. One is that, yay, because we might still get Fantastic Four back and be able to utilize some of these characters in a way that isn't fucking shit. Um, and B, fuck, I'm glad that Fox didn't take that deal because um, even though they made a terrible Fantastic Four movie, we got the Daredevil series, which is amazing. Yeah, totally. So, um, you know, say what you will about the parent companies, but DC, um, well, no, sorry, let, let's go back. Marvel. Marvel really knows their characters, like, and especially the current runners of the MCU really know their characters, like, and they they've done such a better job, just generally speaking, like, you know, X Men and the Fantastic Four are probably the two prominent ones that are owned by other companies. Oh, and Spider Man, of course, um, and those movies have all been so hit or miss, but pretty much everything that's owned by Marvel proper has been, if not great, at least passable. It's not, not nothing has been. Oh my god, I can't watch that again. Yeah. Um. Uh, so I, Phage I or Foggy or whatever his name is. I think it's Phage. I've I've heard it several different ways at this point, and I'm I gonna go with Phage. Here's the thing: Eddie and I are practically high right now for reasons that we will reveal in the um, upon 
in in the in the end credits, so to speak. Well, yeah. there'll be a stinger at the end of this episode. We're ni- we're nineteen episodes in. If they don't know we're idiots by now, like when are I they? Know. Gonna, yeah. Okay. Anyway. I know. Um. So. Uh. Yeah. That guy. That guy knows how to how to put things together. I think and oh, really yeah, definitely really do things um he's also the mastermind and i'm gonna i'm gonna go off comic books a little bit because we're we're talking about um phage a little bit because he has some um he's producing also the ghostbusters yep and uh eddie eddie here posted an article about how ernie hudson's gonna be in the ghostbusters from my understanding is now it's going to be dan Aykroyd, ernie ernie hudson and bill murray are all gonna be in it yeah you know what i just read the other day that kind of bums me out you know who's not coming back uh the the, the dead one rick moranis well the dead guy's probably not going to come back either i don't i don't think he's gonna uh sam why was i gonna say sam Raimi? that's not alt correct no harold ramus thank you because the ramus that's ramus yeah. Raimi. anyway harold ramus is probably not going to be making an appearance unless he's playing a ghost that'd be uh, morbid it, if we could get his ghost to do it Dude, i'd totally be in for it hook it up hollywood get your ouija board out and figure that shit out um no, Rick Moranis. Um, Rick Moranis uh, is not going to be making an appearance. Um, Rick Moranis, uh, I would say not famously, but um, at this point somewhat, um, I don't know, it's just one of those weird Hollywood things. He, uh, His wife died and he had young kids at the time and so he just kind of quit acting um, and hasn't acted really since the early 90s, I think. Um, and and uh, he said, you know, basically, I'm not opposed to coming back to acting now at this point. Uh, but I'm not coming back for that because it just it doesn't sound interesting to me. And I was kind of like, but Rick, it'll be so fun. Like he's holding out for honey. I shrunk the dog's testicles. I uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, like uh, it may just be, you know, wisdom with age or something like that. Or maybe he just he does. He, he wants to play something different or um, he didn't feel like, you know, coming back as a cameo. Like I could see how that could be a thing too. like coming back as a cameo for a character you played 20 years ago and haven't really done a whole lot since like that's maybe like not. I don't know. Yeah. And that being said, too, it's kind of one of those things where and it's going to be interesting to see how this movie plays out, because originally they wanted to do this movie with the original cast and it was kind of going to be a passing of the torch kind of a thing. Yeah. Then they, then none of the original cast was coming back and they, they went ahead and casted this movie with the all girl cast. Yeah. Um, now it seems like the all girl cast is intact. Um, and then they were talking about doing a different movie with the original cast again. And now it's all one movie. Yeah. And so we'll, we'll kind of see. And then Bill Murray has been kind of, uh, honestly i'm not a i'm not a hollywood agent so i don't know what he's been in terms of it but he was in and then he was out and then he was in and he's out and apparently one of his original conditions was if he's in it then he has to be dead and (laughs) i'd actually kind of love to see that i'm I'm curious in that movie would be brilliant i would absolutely love to see if they blended the zombie land and ghostbusters universes <laughs> and made that character come back. <laughs> um, if I haven't said this on the show yet, it should be noted that Bill Murray's cameo in Zombieland, which I don't want to spoil too much, but one of my favorite scenes in movie history ever. Yeah. Oh, fuck! He was so funny in that, and yeah. he had not been doing comedy for a long time when that when that happened. Oh yeah, I, that's it's sort of an interesting thing because Bill Murray Bill Murray has had a pretty interesting career in that he started off being almost typecast as sort of, sort of this comedy guy, you know, like a modern Adam, or a, a, um, yesteryear's Adam Sandler, and then he went on to do a lot of very successful, um, you know, serious acting work, um, and that's actually probably what most people know him from now, um, especially younger generations than ours. 
Um, so yeah, it, it, that was one of my favorite scenes I think I've ever seen. Yeah. So go watch Zombie Land. The whole movie is actually the, the, it's a good flick, and I don't want to spoil that if you haven't seen it. But um, it, it suffice it to say, Bill Murray makes an appearance, and it's awesome. I, I'm kind of interested to see the uh, the Rock the Casbah movie that he's got coming out right now because he's uh, I, it, it looks like he's he's kind of back to being a a, a funny character. I'd love it. I'd I'd love to see Bill Murray coming back and do some more co- comedy stuff because um, not. You know, it's just something different at this point. I mean, he's done a lot of like serious acting work in the last, you know, 10, 15 years. Um, but he was a hilarious guy. I mean, like, um, anyway, yeah, do, do that too. Yeah. And, and, uh, also, uh, more Ghostbusters news too. Um, and this was, I don't think was originally supposed to be known widely, but it, it was leaked. Sigourney Weaver, um, has shot her scenes for the movie as well because the movie is actually in post production now. So, yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting. I, 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 I'm more excited about the Ghostbusters now than I was not because they cast it with all female leads. I, I, I could give a shit if you're a male or female, if you can act and you're funny in a movie that's supposed to be funny. Yeah. I'm for it. Um, I just, I really wanted them to be able to make the Ghostbusters movie that everybody wanted made with the original cast as well. So I'm, it looks like we're finally going to get that. And that makes me happy. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm sort of cautiously optimistic about this movie. So I, I, Bill Murray was attached. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think see, that's what, that's what adds the optimism because I think that Bill Murray, um, first off, he could do whatever he wants at this point. Uh, and I think that him coming back is sort of a positive sign that this might turn out to be a pretty good flick. Yeah. Um, Garfield, the movie, notwithstanding, uh, he's, he's had pretty much solid gold for I, the last, you know, I, I kind of look at it like this. Melissa McCarthy, say what you want like um you know some people are saying well she's uh, her 15 minutes are about up or whatnot mm-hmm. um she's a funny lady and yeah. I, I think i think her the interactions that could be had between her character and peter venkman are fucking comedy gold like i think that's a license to print money if you do it right so definitely um all right uh, what else we got oh fucking shitload of stuff still um we have some jessica jones promo news um oh yeah um, I think I put that in there, the Jessica you Jones. Did. This is the Jessica Jones Netflix promo. Yeah. It's fairly short, but uh, it has me completely sold on the show. Like, I'm going to watch this as fast as I can. Yeah. I, I think I was sold on it already just because of the, the strength of Daredevil anyway. Well, yeah, I was going to watch it anyway, but uh, I really enjoyed this promo. So it, it gives me more um, um, good vibes towards how the show's going to turn out. So go watch that. Definitely. I don't know that, that, yeah, there's not a lot to talk about there. Just go see it. It's cool. Um. So what else have we got? Uh, fuck. We talked about Tomb Raider earlier. Um, apparently, Rise of the Tomb Raider will f- will feature thirty to four hour, thirty to forty hours of gameplay, um, unless you're a PS4 user, in which case uh, you have about three hundred and sixty five days before you can enjoy those thirty to forty hours. Yeah. So, um, um, I put in some nerdy tech stuff, which we don't have to spend a lot of time on. Just sort of a cool news. Um, Discovery is reporting that we have uh, um, Superman memory chips, as in sort of like memory crystals, you know, coming um, at some point or they're looking at the technology for that. I mean, take that with a giant grain of salt because we look at technology for a lot of shit that never pans out. But um, it it just seemed sort of cool how life imitates art sometimes. Actually, this is really old news. Really? Yeah. Um, The DOD has been working on those memory crystals for a really, really long time. And the problem isn't with read speed. Mm. It's with write right. speed at this point, or maybe it's backwards. I don't remember. 
I don't remember how it's one of the two abysmal that it's not practical. Yeah. um, But if they're making progress on that, then that's good news because that's actually kind of cool. I mean, now that we have flash drives that are literally the size of our pinky nail doesn't really fucking matter. But (laughs) I mean, but we're, uh, you know, we're quickly approaching the end of Moore's law. So it's going to be interesting to see what kind of breakthroughs we get. So we can keep keep uh, pushing the envelope that way. You know, like flat. storage capacities have grown so ridiculously in the last 15 years so have um you know cpu speeds and all that stuff so i like it i like following stories like this because it's kind of interesting to see what the absolute cutting edge is doing as far as you know solving some of these problems exactly another nerdy tech news um amazon this week uh banned sale of google uh slash apple tv boxes so if you're selling a chrome box of some sort um or the chrome stick i believe um, you're not going to be on Amazon store. Likewise, if you're selling the Apple TV box, uh, you're not going to be on Amazon store quoting, uh, saying that they don't want to c- provide a confusing experience experience for customers who want to watch Amazon prime video. Um, also they probably want to sell a lot of fire sticks. Yeah. I was just going to say, could they, is has there ever been a thing? I don't know if you read this at all or if you followed the story at all. But uh, such complete co- uh, corporate bullshit. Um, like that—that's how even the story has been re- reported by the tech outlets. Like even the you know quote unquote neutral ones who try to present everybody in a fair light was kind of like really Amazon really. Um, you've already got apps on all these things, and they were saying they also kind of use it as like a um, you know we want to provide the best possible experience and blah 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 blah. Like you're a fucking video app. Like there's 42 different video apps for any of these platforms that work perfectly fine. YouTube, for example, like the world's most ginormous video app works wonderfully on everything from your TV to your toaster. And yeah. so we're really supposed to buy that. You Pretty sure my fridge has YouTube preeminent tech companies um, can't figure out how to get a decent Amazon app on the Apple TV or Google uh, Chromecast experiences. Yes. And since we are an Amazon affiliate, what we mean by corporate bullshit is we love you and we will keep helping you sell your fire sticks. Yeah. We're going to post a link to the fire stick in the whatever is show page, because it really <laughs> is a delightful way to experience Amazon prime video for just $99 a year. You too could sign up for Amazon prime and have not only instant video available at your fingertips, but free two day shipping on a multitude of items. This advertising brought to you by Amazon. And in some locations, you can even have food and beer delivered to you within one or two hours. Okay, if they bring that to my house, like I forgive them immediately. Did you not know about that? No, I did. I did, actually. I I forgot until you mentioned it right now. But if they bring it out to my area, like whatever. Don't sell that if you don't want to. Fine. Fuck Apple. Fuck fuck Google. Just bring me beer. (laughs) Deliver me an Amazon Prime labeled cooler of beer and all sins are forgiven. We're good. Um... Okay, so we have two more pieces of news that I want to go a little bit in depth on. But before that, uh, I think I'm ready for a beer break. Cheers. Yeah. All right, we're back. Okay, so So you had other pieces of news that you wanted to go a little bit more in depth on? Yeah, so the first one I'm going to talk about because I think um, we've talked about this and I don't think you've read. um, But uh, Patrick Rothfuss, otherwise known as my favorite author currently, um, has shopped the King Killer Chronicles to Lionsgate. And that's not only interesting because they're not going to make just movies, they're not going to make just TV, but they're also going to make video games as well. So we have the trifecta of uh, King Killer Chronicle adaptations coming. Um, And this leaves me really hopeful because, uh, first off, King Killer Chronicle books are my favorite. I've said um, on many occasions that if you just read the books once, I think the story stands alone and it's on its own. It's a very interesting story just on that note. But 
you reread them and reread them again as I have, or maybe even again as I have, um, and you find more and more depth in each of the stories. So um, I'm really excited to see these films come to any sort of anywhere, or these books come to anything else because I, I really love the book so far. That said, I'm still anxiously awaiting book three. So, you know, who knows? Maybe it fucks everything up like uh, the ending of Lost did for me. Um, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, the other thing that's interesting to me about this is that um, it must mean that we're not going to get just the the um, Quoth story. Um, Quoth, Quoth, sorry. Um, the Quoth story, otherwise known as the main character, um, because you don't necessarily i mean i could see that games and the other two crossover but i don't see why you'd have a major movie and a tv series at the same time in the same uh telling the same exact story so it's interesting to me because i think we're going to get more universe or more stories told in that universe but not necessarily told about um our current main character uh rothfuss has already said on either occasions that he's not necessarily done with that universe called the four corners universe um but that he is not going to be writing any more quoth stories so um Super excited. I, I look forward to um, this is another like um, if you really have been a big fan of Game of Thrones and you're also uh, um, heavily into reading sci fi and fantasy. I'm really excited to see um, that sort of attention to detail and, and level of um, care brought to, uh, you know, like I said, what is my currently favorite book series? Cool. Yeah, that's my rant. Um, right on. I remain cautiously optimistic, though. One of the things that I'm a little bit skeptical of is that a lot of King Killer, like, um, whereas Game of Thrones is a, a massively event-driven story that I think they've done really well adapting into um, TV, a lot of uh, the brilliance that and things that I love about King Killer Chronicle is just particularly for that medium. Um, some of the things I think are going to come out pretty well over the screen, um, but some of the things are are very specifically geared towards um books literature that just you you cannot uh translate directly but there's lots of other clever things they could do if they brought it to that medium so i'm excited right on okay. I'll, I'll i'll check it out actually we have more than more pieces of news than oh, i think do. you thought we did yeah, um probably so we got um, oh, yeah there the, we go. the possibility of more batman games yeah we do have the possibility of more batman games which uh i'm of course super excited about um I maybe yeah, well, it could be. Um, uh, this is another thing, like where the uh, style and attention to detail comes into play heavily. Uh, um, whenever this comes up, we uh, especially about other superhero games, namely Superman. I hear people say, "Well, gosh, why can't they just get um, the studio that makes the Arkham games? Help me out, because I can't." Rockstar. Think of yeah, why can't or they, Rocksteady. Rocksteady. Why can't they just get Rocksteady to make... Um, I think that's right, Rocksteady. Why can't they just get Rocksteady to make a Superman game? Look at how good they did with the Batman game. And I don't necessarily think that's a guaranteed hit because the the way that they did the Batman game works really well for a Batman game. It would not work at all for a Superman game. The game mechanics and things like that just don't make sense for a Superman game. Um, so I'm really excited at the possibility of more Batman games because those aren't the only game mechanics you could employ... Um, in making a Batman game, I'm going to look forward to seeing how somebody else might do it. Uh, as long as it's, you know, I don't know, somebody that loves the character, loves the, you know, telling a good story and so on. So, yeah. And as long as they can do it better than Arkham Knight for the PS PC, PC. Yeah. 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 I mean, if you could give a shit about the PC port, even a little bit, we'd, we'd appreciate it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we also have uh, a little bit of news about Bond, um, which we don't really talk much about it because Bond isn't necessarily sci-fi or fantasy so much. Um, I mean, it is because if you look at it, yeah, what the fuck is Bond? But but fantasy, like every dude's fantasy. Yep. Um, yep. But Daniel Craig, um, after completing filming on Spectre, which he worked on for nearly two years, he says, I believe it. Um, when asked about his future as Bond, basically said. I just want to go home and rest for a while. It's not that I'm avoiding the question. It's not that I'm saying I'm never going to do it again or whatnot. I'm just tired. I want to go back to my family that I've neglected for two years that aren't happy with me. Yeah. And whatnot. Um, Now he is under contract to do one more. So we've got at least that happening, but what happens after that is anybody's guess. And if they take as long to make as these last few have made, um you know then what's to say that he's even going to be the bond that that they're that they're looking for after you know five years from now or six years from now yeah no kidding um i really like daniel craig's bond um we haven't really talked about this on the show a lot but i really love the bond reboot um i like starting with casino royale yes uh quantum of solace i thought was lackluster uh everybody thought quantum was lackluster and the basically stemming from being in the middle of the writer strike right in which basically daniel and and the director at the time came in with no script and just kind of made one up as they went along um or at least that's how it's widely reported as far as i know Uh, yeah but uh Skyfall was fucking phenomenal. Oh yeah, Uh, Skyfall was best Bond movie ever. Kind of phenomenal. Watch that a million times. So, um, so, and and I think Spectre. I I think if anything, that their goal is kind of top Skyfall with Spectre. And goddamn, I really want to see it. I I'm super excited to see Spectre, and I think that they're, you know, again, I haven't really seen a whole lot from Spectre, but I really get the feeling that this is going to be another hugely awesome Bond movie. Yeah. So yeah. if nothing else, I want to see more Daniel Craig as Bond because um, his Bond series has been really pretty good. Whereas our our, our previous Bond, don't get me wrong, I love um, Pierce. Pierce, yeah, Pierce Brosnan. So a lot, most I would say most of the Brosnan movies were kind of crap. Um, and that's not necessarily his fault either. And yeah, they were, really for like, what they were, they were '90s action films. Yeah, and, and that that that's fine. But Bond is a character that has never really been prone to display an emotion until we got the Daniel Craig yeah. bond. And and a lot of people kind of panned Casino Royale that were fans of the Connery bond um, and whatnot, because he just didn't have all the answers. Yeah. And, but I think it led us to where we're at now, which is a good bond. Well, I think there's two things at play here. One is that um, Casino Royale and Daniel Craig's bond were really sort of a reboot for the modern age. Like, um, the 70s bond just doesn't make sense if you're going to make a movie making it with a 70s connery bond doesn't make a lot of sense for a lot of reasons and um you know like some of the tech gadget gimmickry uh, um obviously they tossed out with um daniel craig's bond not entirely i mean there's definitely some of the tech you know mumbo jumbo and stuff like that in there um but they tossed out some of the you know i guess luna disagrees with me shut up um, but anyway, they toss some of that out with the um, new bonds because I don't think it really works particularly well um, in today's you know culture. Um, the other thing is they, these movies get compared a lot to the Bourne series, which they shouldn't because honestly, Bond is older than Bourne, and yeah, if anything, Bourne is a 
somewhat not I'm not gonna call Bourne a, a James Bond ripoff either because those movies are good in their own right um especially the Bourne legacy with uh uh, uh fucking Hawkeye yeah um can't come up with a name either right now I like the Daniel Radcliffe comes to mind but he's definitely not Harry Potter <laughs> like, <laughs> was it Dan- no I don't think it was Daniel Radcliffe no no, no. um so anyway um but I think they do get fairly Renner. drawn. Jeremy Renner. Yeah, I think they do get fairly drawn or, or, or compared to the Bourne movies because Bourne is another, you know, spy movie. The Bourne series is another spy movie series that went, goes a completely different direction. Like the old Bond movies are kind of campy. Yeah. A lot of them are kind of campy. Not all of them, um, but a, a lot of the older Bond movies are kind of campy. And that, you know, this this generation just doesn't really do camp well. Um, and even I'm kind of, you know, I like camp in certain places, but generally speaking, I, I really much prefer the direction they've gone. I, with I don't Craig's think Bond. they were campy when they were made. Um, you're talking early 60s. So, well, some of them. The 60s vision of what was cool and, and high tech and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It it obviously seems incredibly rudimentary uh, to us now, um, and so and but there's some witty one liners, and I think that's um, Pierce Brosnan carried on that that tradition very well because he had the one liners and everything like that. Daniel Craig isn't about one liners; these are these are straight up action movies, yeah, and good ones, yeah. So uh, minus Quantum of Solace, which you know we talked about. A little bit of a shit sandwich. Yeah, a little bit. Um, so I presume the the last piece that you wanted to talk about was the Fear of the Walking Dead. Yeah, have you finished it? I have. Have you? I have finished the Walking Fear of the Walking Dead too. It took me for fucking ever, but I finally did. Awesome. Okay, so what are our overall thoughts? Well, I'll let you go first. Um, we talked a little bit about episodes one and two, correct? No, we talked about episode one because you haven't seen two. We talked about episode two. one in which I said, well, I hope they get to the zombie part pretty soon because that was a little bit boring. <laughs> there are going to be zombies in this eventually, right? Yeah, maybe just more than the one. Um, and then you said, of course, at the time, uh, well, wait, because shit kind of picks up in episode two, which uh, now having seen episode two, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, and the series kind of maintains that pace throughout. There was maybe one other episode that was a little bit slower, and that was kind of the development with the military um, yeah. and just kind of realizing what kind of a hold they have on things and why and why my fucking dog is kicking my mic kicking the mic stand yeah god damn it luna anyway yeah all right she's down there licking herself or something yeah it's fine yeah, it's i do too but i can't reach yeah okay so anyway um yeah fear the walking dead so we're six episodes in which is of course the entire first season um much like the original series much like the original series i actually really enjoyed it by the end um i really thought this was a good spin-off of the walking dead universe there were a couple rough spots that i didn't really like like there's a pretty you know at least for the time period a pretty sizable time jump in the middle of the series uh, of nine days which i didn't really like because a lot of shit goes down in those nine days that i kind of really wanted to see on screen and i thought was going to be quite a bit different um there's also some things that kind of i don't know if they irritate me or they don't irritate me but we're jumping ahead in character development i think quite a bit um for the for the universe like the some of the characters in fear are getting pretty ruthless pretty quick especially in comparison to um similar events that took place in the walking dead originally so it's some of the events that we're getting to in fear of the walking dead feel a lot like events that took place in the walking dead uh proper but they happen much 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 faster so that that part kind of bugs me a little bit. Kind of bugged me a little bit. That they skipped the time frame because I I really wanted to see a lot more um 
of the whole collapse of society. It also kind of is disappointing that society has basically seemingly fallen apart in nine days. Like, yeah, like nine the, days and everything is basically fucked and we're in a military rule already. Here's the thing from a storytelling standpoint, I get where it came from because it was, it was specifically to tell the story of how quickly the epidemic spread. Yeah. Um, and I, and I get that, which I guess is fair because in the walking dead, Rick's in a coma for three weeks. Yeah. You don't know. Cause it's already, up, it's, it's already it's full on. Up. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so the, here's, here's what I did like about the realism of certain characters. The Daniel Salazar character, um, you know, he kind of talks in the first few episodes about his past and how, That's you know, the barber. Okay, yeah, yeah. The, the bad people came in and he yeah. witnessed all this stuff. Well, like, oh, that poor guy. By the end of the, by the end of the six episodes, you realize that he was actually one of the ones on the other side of that. Yeah. Um, but I, I love his character. Like his character is at the point and, and my wife actually pointed this out to me and, and I um, hadn't really thought about it in those terms until she did. His character was at the point where he has this legion of, of walkers behind him when he, when he goes to launch that final assault on the, uh, uh I want to talk about that too. Yeah. And he doesn't care what they are. Yeah. He just uses them for the purpose that he needs to to rescue his wife, who he doesn't at this point know is, is, is deceased already. And she, my wife looks at this and she's like, it took five seasons before they became just background noise. And this yeah. guy's already at that point, like doesn't care why they're there. Doesn't care what they are. Just knows that they're not human anymore. And he knows that he can use these things to instill fear into the, the military facility that's holding his wife. Presumably. Oh no, for sure. Uh, Salazar is one cold motherfucker. Like you get that. The, the first inkling I think you get of that is um, when uh, the neighbor turn the, the, the Walker neighbor gets into the house. Right. And they're like, Oh, we should shoot it. No, we shouldn't shoot it. He's going to be fine. And Salazar is like, Nope. Boom. Puts him down and like, no, no remorse whatsoever. It's yeah. just like, why aren't you bitches just fucking shooting this thing already? Like, um, so Salazar, I'm not sure if he's going to live or if he's going to die early because on the one hand, Salazar is not quite a monster, but he's pretty goddamn close. Well, and he's not going to end up being the Rick of the situation. I think that's where they're going to do, um, that no. I think that's going to end up being Cliff Curtis's character of Travis, yeah. who we also realized by the end of the six episodes that he has a dark past. Yeah. So, um, one thing on Salazar, um, I'm, I'm the thing about Salazar is like you said, he's not going to be the Rick of the situation because Rick still has a lot of his humanity. Like Salazar to me seems like this guy who is only kind of, kind of controlling himself in regular society, uh, for the um, benefit of his wife and daughter, really. Yeah. Um, but his view of humanity and, and life is quite a bit different. Like he's, he, if anything, he would become the governor, not, not, uh, a Rick. Um, he's, he's just a cold motherfucker, like I said before. So, um, yeah, I totally agree with your assessment. Daniel Curtis, uh, um, who I can't remember. Cliff Curtis. Cliff Curtis. God, fuck. Why not? Oh, cause Daniel Salazar. Anyway, yeah. Cliff Curtis, I think is definitely going to be sort of the Rick of this, uh, series. Although I'm not quite sure because I'm not sure if it's going to be him or his, uh, new wife. Right. Right. But cause I we don't know if it's Maddie. Um, here's, here's the other character I wanted to talk about a little bit, and this has probably kind of been overdone, um, in, on some of these podcasts and whatnot, but junkie, Johnny Depp, junkie, Johnny Depp, uh, Frank Delane, also known as Nick. Yeah. Uh, how disappointed were you when you realized that he was going over and stealing the old man's morphine 
and getting oh, high super. still because like, because like the first episode the first two episodes really seemed like it was really geared toward toward him being like um fuck yeah like i can't be like this right now because this shit is real and it's happening um and then you find out that he's breaking into the neighbor's house and stealing the morphine and yeah. it's still a junkie actually i mean it was disappointing but in a good way because um i think that was well written like um right because we felt that way about his character we're like well fuck you you little prick yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. um but yeah i was disappointed in in him because especially the way that his mom treats him and you know his mom kind of dotes on him even though he's a total she fuck fucking up. enables that guy like nobody's business which is why i don't really feel like she's going to end up being the rick of the situation yeah um the other thing, the the thing that I do like about her character, though, is that she's already too, um, like, uh, Cliff, Cliff is, um, almost kind of a namby pamby, uh, like he's the vegan sort of save the whales character in the, the, um, thing. And he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to kill the walkers because all oh, they can be saved and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And until he beats the shit out of, uh. Yeah, well, so that's a good point of character development, but um, she she pretty quickly, like, she kills the principal that she sees day in and day out, you know, within a few episodes. Um, and she was going to kill the, the neighbor lady. Yeah, and she she was already, like, in the whole mindset of, no, they're just, they're just corpses, just kill them. Yeah. So, whereas, you know, Cliff is kind of like, uh, no, they're going to be fine, and we just need to figure it out, and if we just wait a little bit longer, like, a little bit more, like, denial, like, everything's going to go back to the way it was, whereas she's adapting much more quickly. She's not necessarily to the part of, like, uh, nope, society's fucked, and this is how things are now, but um, she's adapting much more quickly than Cliff did, but, of course, one of the character development pieces that I liked a lot was in the end where he just beats the fuck out of that army guy. We, we should note that Cliff is the name of the actor. And Travis is his character's name. Oh, good point. <laughs> Cliff is much easier to remember than Travis, though. It felt wrong for some reason, but I couldn't remember why. Um, I always have this problem watching The Walking Dead, except for, you know, for the three main actors now in the new seasons. Like, I always forget their names because there's so many. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and no, honestly, though, and my understanding of the series is where it's going is it's not going to take very long before it catches up to the regular series. And... Um, I haven't heard specifically as to whether or not they're going to cross paths with Rick's crew at some point, um, but they are going to be concurrent with one another at some point. Don't you think? Well, I don't know. I guess they set that up a little bit like um, with the whole boat thing at the end of the season. But don't you think it would be a little bit ridiculous if they do cross paths? Um, like we like oceanic major oceanic travel. Well, they're, they don't have to travel across the ocean. And I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, well, what, I mean, we're going from California to Georgia or no, they're not even in Georgia anymore. They're in like uh DC, DC, the DC area. Yeah. Well, here's the thing though. Um, I don't, I don't know that they're getting on the boat because I don't know that they can trust Mr. Man. Man. Yeah. Him. I like actually his character is, is awesome. Really yeah because he's a giant question mark in the series for me. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're like, what the fuck is he doing here? And why does he hold sway over these people? in this facility well it's more the choices that he makes like um he chose to sort of help nick along even though like he says a particular like he, nick's got the skills he wants he's got yeah it was very very apparent set of skills like he had no qualms very, about hiding the fact that it was i mean he i mean he didn't hide the fact at all that he saved nick because nick would be useful to him at some point but so nick's not useful to him of it like there was no plan it wasn't like oh nick's got the skills to steal this key which i need to get out of here he already had the fucking key like um 
so it's not readily apparent to me what exactly his overarching you know character is going to turn out to be like but he's also seems like pretty cold too like yeah um he he was the one that was just going to let everybody die in the the um which they probably all did anyway but he was the one that was going to let everybody die in sort of the medical detention quarantine thing he kind of seems like the kind of character that's going to end up being like uh, a major drug dealer or he was a major drug dealer before this whole thing happened because he's got the nice house he's got the boat he's got all the stuff like and i'm talking like a major player not a yeah. street dealer or anything and maybe that's why he can he recognized nick see when i, for what I he was. saw him i thought um just absolutely ruthless businessman type which i guess could still apply but i, I was thinking he he was um playing a straight but but just remorseless sort of person yeah i mean time will tell because uh we'll find out next year and i don't know if the series will be running um concurrently next year or if it'll be a, a mid-season kind of a well i mean it's amc so they're only like 13 14 episodes long anyway yeah. but he was an interesting character too because it, he wasn't entirely like inhumane like he didn't have to help any of them no uh um and i don't see how he could have looked at the group and said oh man these guys are strengths necessarily they're going to keep me alive um it just seemed like it wasn't convenient for him to help certain others like Right. And he, or not necessarily convenient, but like almost a hindrance. Like if he would, like he said, there's no time. We can't go back and let them out because we'll die too. But um, yeah. Anyway, I liked it. I liked his character. It was fun. But I actually do. I kind of do hope they get on the boat because I kind of do want to see some more travel outside of you know, relatively small areas. Um, I guess small areas isn't fair because the Walking Dead's have been all the way up the eastern seaboard at this point. But yeah. Um, kind of one of the things that bothers me about this, um, and, and that they didn't explore on, I mean, they used it as a plot device, but they didn't ever actually go there, which was when the kid was sitting up on the, uh, on the roof, flashing the light at the house across the way. Yeah. Um, they never went into that. Like they're like, we don't know who that was. No, we, they did a little bit. Did they? Well, sort of, um, with the way they went into that was they, they were flashing the light and, um, the kid tells Travis, his dad, you know, you got to take this seriously, blah, blah, blah. So Travis goes to the military guy and tells him about it. And then you see the military guys go in and shut off the light, basically. They they went and did something, um, you know, whether it, it's heavily implied, I think, that they that, that whoever was flashing the light was killed. But yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know. It's just one of those things. It's it, I think they could have done a little bit more with that yeah. than they did. Um, obviously I didn't pick up on it. I mean, yeah. So, um, that doesn't, I mean, I'm not, I'm not the world's foremost TV watcher. So maybe there's things <laughs> I missed, but I think actually, Ashley and I both watched at the same time. And one of, I don't remember which one of us, but, but one of us caught it and we went back and rewatched, um, to figure out what was going on. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Overall, I really like this world. I really like the world of The Walking Dead and watching things in that universe. I don't know why. Maybe I like to just be depressed all the time because there's not a lot of victory in the show. Um, the, the show is really sort of like a watch humanity eat itself alive, you know, sort of, you know, in more ways than one, but um, sort of show. But it, it, it's an interesting universe to me, and I, I really do like sort of seeing sort of that thing. The other thing, too, is uh, Fear the Walking Dead and The Walking Dead 2 gets a lot of criticism because there's not enough zombie killing action and gunfights and shit like that. And to the people that are criticizing the show for that, 
I'd say maybe you need to f- f- realize what show you're watching because that's not – we've said this on the show on whatever many times. It's not about the zombies. It's not about killing zombies. Mm-hmm. The show is about humanity and right. what happens under these sorts of strife. You know, what humanity becomes. Exactly. Yeah, no, I, I, you couldn't have been more right about that. So, um, yeah, I, overall, I think the show was a win. I wasn't sure at first. Yeah, me either. But I, especially the first episode or two, I was like, eh, I don't know if this is going to, you know. But, but uh, by the end, I was hooked. So I'm really looking forward to the second season. Yeah. And, um, you know, stay tuned because this Sunday we've got The Walking Dead, you know, proper premiering. Yep. Um, and I think they're probably doing it now. I think they're doing all five seasons leading up to. I did. The other night I got the hankering to watch some of the original one. And one of the things that comes across pretty quickly is how different of a show it was back then. Um, especially in choices of like zombie actions and the things the zombies are capable in the show in the beginning. Like um, if you remember all the way back, they first run into. Um, they were a little faster back in the day. They were faster, but they meet Morgan or, or Rick meets Morgan pretty early on when his uh, um, kid clocks him with a uh, 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 shovel. Right. Thinking he's a walker. And, and, you know, Morgan corrects him and says something along the lines of, you know, they can't talk. Um, and they take him in and stuff like that. And then it's revealed that Morgan's wife is a walker out in the street. But she comes up and she tries to open the door. Like, she tries to pull the handle uh, um, in the thing. And you see some more oddities like that. Um, yeah. The- it's, I, yeah. I, I, I get what you're talking about. And honestly, the handle opening thing, I think, um, what bothered me the most is I think they were kind of trying to make it seem as though there was still some essence of, of Morgan's yeah, wife yeah. left. Yeah. Which we know obviously isn't the case. Um, yeah. Yeah. But there was some interesting choices like that with the zombies early on in The Walking Dead. Like, um, uh, we might have talked about this on the show, but I know we've talked about it in person too. But um, in the second episode, I think that uh, one of the zombies picks up a rock to break open a window. Right. And it's like, well, they, they're not that smart. They don't like, use tools. Yeah. Which actually, I don't know how far you are in the comic books now, but that actually comes into play quite a bit. They, they don't use tools? No, I am. I'm caught up. I, are you? Or I'm, I'm as caught up. As I can be, I believe. So I've seen the whispers and yeah. what that actually is. Yeah, spoilers if you're a comic book fan. But well, that that's all I'm going to say. I'm I've seen the whispers, um, and I don't want to go too in depth on that. But I'm caught up too. So yeah. I mean, it's pretty ridiculous. Good at this point, like oh, yeah. where 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 shit's going. So I just read the the last, um, and I, again, I don't want to spoil the whole thing if you haven't read it, but. Um, I just read the last one and I was like, whoa, okay. Because they've gotten to a relatively, you know, The Walking Dead, uh, the comic and the show have gotten to these comfortable places and and then something comes along and fucks that up. And uh, we've gotten to a point where something comes along and fucks that up. So, yeah. Yeah. Are you talking the heads? Yeah. 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 And Negan. Negan's still got some shenanigans going on. He does. And I'm interested to see how that plays out because Negan could be... um, I'm wondering if Negan uh, is really just sort of a twisted fucker who's really trying to keep everybody alive or he's, if he's just a twisted fucker because Negan has the potential to help Rick, Rick's group and, and that whole thing. But but Woody. Woody. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or is he just looking for opportunity to take control again? Right. So um, that being said, um, I think that's our show for the day. Um, unless. Yeah. yeah. So um, at whatever show on Twitter um whatever you show on facebook right yeah facebook.com slash whatever you show email your questions and comments and so on to questions at whatever.co um 
we got one more thing we got to talk about. We well, we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about it. So um, we have been playing this really close to the vest for a super long time. Um, yeah, like two or three months now. Yeah, um, a couple people that might listen, I may have dropped some hints to at some point, but I have told a couple of people as a necessary evil in real life. So there are very few people. Yeah, yeah, as have I. Um, so we actually just got done, and we're gonna actually um, we're gonna post this show first, and then. The next show. Um, so today we've been actually recording for hours now at this point. Yeah. Um, we just got off the uh, off the phone with uh, Marv Wolfman. Yeah. Who uh, it was the mastermind behind Crisis on Infinite Earths, published in 1985. Uh, Batman Year Three, which we may or may not have recommended as a as an interesting read I several episodes ago. Did when we were being incredibly coy about New Teen Titans, which yeah. we may have also recommended at some point uh, along the way. Um, anyway. Uh, super good interview um and we're we're gonna we're gonna actually do that interview in its entirety i think yeah for our more casual listeners um like my wife so i came home giddy one day because uh we basically found out that marv wanted to do the the podcast um and my wife's like that's great who the fuck is that guy um and so the way I've been describing it to people that I've been talking to, you know, in real life lately is that if you are not familiar with the name Marf Wolfman, you are almost familiar with some of his works. Um, he's credited with um, more screen appearances than anyone else aside from Stan Lee as far as, you know, characters he's created and written. Um, if, if you've seen any of the movies featuring Blade, Blade, you know who Marv Wolfman is. If you've seen Guardians of the Galaxy and seen Nova Prime, yep. Marv Wolfman. If you read comic books and you read Batman, you know Tim Drake, and you know that's a, a Marv Wolfman creation. Um, so anyway, uh, that episode's coming out pretty soon, and it's a brilliant episode. Um, like, well, I don't know if it's brilliant, but we certainly had a fun, a lot of fun, and we really liked it. So, yeah, Marv, Marv was a lot of fun to talk to. Has a lot of really, really good, um, feedback as far as um, you know, the comic book medium, where it was at when he was in in his prime where it's at now and really just we we kind of took the opportunity to pick his brain a little bit as far as about you know what makes a comic book good yeah and and he was not hesitant at all in answering some of those questions actually wasn't hesitant at all about answering any questions um yep the only question that he didn't he didn't actually shy away from it um there there is a uh, a, a question about the uh, crisis on infinite earth uh, pertaining to the flash. And he said specifically that there's one question that he's, he gets tired of a- of answering all the time. Uh, and that information is on his website, which we're going to link to, which we're going to link you to. Um, we didn't actually ask him about it. We only asked him if it was used during a different story in the future, uh, which it was not. Yeah. Um, which I've always been wondered about. So, yeah, I'm going to have to go back and probably read that tonight. Yeah. Um, anyway, super stoked that we we got to do it. It was fucking brilliant. It was awesome. Oh yeah, um, loved it. Uh, thanks again, Marv, for coming on the show. Um, we're gonna post that episode. That's gonna come up probably pretty soon after this one um, um, as a special episode. So check that out if you like uh, whatever. Again, the, one of the best things you can do for us is rate us on iTunes. Um, or go rate us in your podcast podcast clan of choice. But by far, iTunes is probably the one that helps us out the most. That and just telling people about the show. Yeah, um, we don't have an advertising budget. So tell your friends if you like the show, if you think they'll like the show. And honestly, um, the second best thing you can do is subscribe. 
yeah hit um hit the subscribe button on itunes or your podcast client of choice there's all kinds of methods for subscribing on the whatever.co page um and if you get stuck uh i don't know give me a call um on seriously this is how easy it is if you got an iphone you go to whatever.co on your iphone you click the link and it will automatically link you to the podcast app and our podcast within your within your iphone you hit subscribe boom done every time an episode posts it's automatically there downloads it you don't have to go look for anything yep all right everybody thank you and you guys all have a good week later